going to actually be taking a look at baptism. Baptisms by water and baptism by fire. We need to clarify these two baptisms before we start the book of Acts. And that's what I intend to do this morning, is to distinguish between baptism by water and baptism by fire. The reason we need to do that is because baptism by water and baptism by fire are procedures or rites that are consistent throughout the life of the early church. And there's a powerful message there for us as we try to emulate the early church, the church of the New Testament. When uh, God was preparing Israel, the Hebrews, for the coming of the Christ, of Jesus, God chose John the Baptist to be the one who would herald the coming of Christ. And John the Baptist said these words, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. The very first members of the church were recruited through these words of Peter. In Acts 2 we read, Repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You see, water baptism is a an outward manifestation of something that's gone on within us. In order to be initiated into Christ's church, we need first to be born again. The old self needs to die, which is represented in water baptism of going under the water, and needs to be, and the person needs to be reborn, spiritually reborn, and that is symbolized in the coming out of the water. Drenched, by the way. So water baptism graphically testifies to that new birth. How the new birth is accomplished is where the Holy Spirit comes in. It's the Holy Spirit that gives birth or accomplishes this rebirth in us. <clears throat> That's why Jesus said these words in John 3 to Nicodemus one night. Very truly, I tell you, not one can, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. So the Holy Spirit plays an integral role 
in the process of being born again. We are born of the Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit who accomplishes this incredible miracle whereby our old selves die and our new selves come to life. And it's the water baptism that indicates that in a very graphic, concrete way for us. So let's be clear. When we are born again, we receive the Holy Spirit. Scripture is clear. The Spirit gives birth to Spirit. The Apostle Paul testified about this when he was writing to the Romans. He says, But if Christ is in you, then even your body is subject to death because of sin. The Spirit gives life because of righteousness. When he wrote to the Ephesians, he said these words, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. And in this instance, Paul is saying that the Holy Spirit not only accomplishes the rebirth, but the Holy Spirit actually abides in or lives in the believer from that moment on, from the moment of rebirth. Romans 8, Paul writes these words. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. Therefore, if you are born again, you believe in Jesus Christ and what He's done for you on the cross, and you accept Him as your personal Savior, you are born again by the work of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit dwells in you. I wish we had more time this morning, really, to talk about the incredible nature of that, of what happens when the Holy Spirit comes into us at our rebirth. But there's two things I want to mention <clears throat> very quickly. The first is this. We, according to Scripture, are actually united with Christ. We become part of Christ. We are in Christ. Scripture says. We read in Romans 6, or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ, Jesus, were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptize, baptism into his death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in death like this, we will certainly also be united with him in resurrection, in resurrection like this. So just as Christ was resurrected from the grave, we too will be resurrected ultimately. We have been, in a sense, resurrected. We've been given new birth, new life. But ultimately, I think that's what he's saying at the end of that passage. We will be united with him in a resurrection like his. So we are united with Christ when we are born again. We are also, and the second thing that just is amazing is that we are united with his church. In 1 Corinthians 12, we read these words. 
Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its members' parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jew or Gentile, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. And so, we are united with Christ, and we are united with his church, which makes sense because he is the head of the church. He is the head of the body of Christ, which makes sense. So, two powerful messages there to wrap our minds around. That when we are born again, and the Holy Spirit comes to abide within us, we are actually united with Christ. We're actually seated with Him right now. <laughs> he is, we are in Him, and we are in the body of Christ. Amazing truths. But that's not our focus this morning. We've seen from Scripture that water baptism illustrates what the Holy Spirit does in giving us new birth, or spiritual rebirth. We're not ready to talk just yet about baptism of the Holy Spirit. We will get there. But we've talked about the baptism in water. And we've talked about the fact that at that time, we are filled with the Holy Spirit, or we receive the Holy Spirit. And so I want us to keep this in mind as we read the first section of Acts. And so here's Acts 1, 1 to 11. In my former book, the, the author of Acts is Luke. Luke wrote another famous book, you might know, one of the Gospels, the Gospel of Luke. He wasn't a Hebrew, he wasn't a Jew, he was a Gentile. <coughs> he was a colleague and a friend and an aide and assistant to the Apostle Paul. And he was a physician. And he was an exacting physician who liked to keep a very accurate record. And so the Gospel of Luke is a precise record of the life of Christ. And now what he's saying to his buddy Theophilus, who we know nothing about, is this. Now I'm writing part two. I wrote about Jesus, and now I'm writing about the church that Jesus created. So, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. You know, we often just kind of, I don't know why this is, but we kind of... Um, make our story of Christ very concise. We think that he, you know, he, he died on the cross, he rose three days later, you know, he met the disciples, and then he ascended into heaven to be with his Father. Actually, he hung around for 40 days, meeting with people, talking to people, and, uh, and, and doing, doing ministry. <laughs> and then he ascended into heaven. So he appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. This is 1 Acts, verse 4 now. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. That should sound very much like what we already heard John the Baptist say, right? I, I, I baptize with water, but there's one coming after me, 
who is going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus said just before he ascended into heaven. He said, for John the Baptist baptized with water, but in a few days you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Well, that's a long story and, and one that's really a rabbit trail. And so we're not going to go down there. But obviously the disciples still had some issues to deal with in separating uh, Christ's ministry from uh, this idea of Israel being reinstated as um, a light to the world and being the, the nation of Israel and, and that Jesus or the Messiah would be the earthly king. That's where they're going on this. But he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the dates. Seems like he doesn't even address that with them. The dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and in a cloud hid from their sight. And as they were looking intently up into the sky, I like this, as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them, men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you've seen him go into heaven. And, but, you know, I'll finish his words. But to stand here waiting the whole time looking up into heaven is really a waste of your time. You've got things to do, in other words, right? And so he says, you know, just get your eyes. He's coming back. You'll be looking up there again. But not right now. There's things we've got to do. So let me review those words again. Jesus said, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So the big question that I want to ask, and the question that's been asked a lot, and has caused lots of division within the church is this. Is receiving the Holy Spirit the same as being baptized in the Holy Spirit? Or being filled with the Holy Spirit? <laughs> is receiving the Holy Spirit, which we have said has happened, right? At, convert, at our rebirth, the Holy Spirit accomplishes our rebirth and comes to be with us in our new birth, our new life. Is that the same as being baptized in the Holy Spirit or being filled with the Holy Spirit? Now, not everybody's going to agree with me on this, and that's okay. And a lot of people will agree with me on this, okay? But I believe that the Holy Spirit, I believe that receiving the Holy Spirit at the rebirth, when we're born again, is the same as the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But, I believe being filled with the Holy Spirit is an additional experience. And I'm going to say that again. I believe that when we are born again, and we are made spiritually alive with our new spirit, we become... <coughs> New creations in Christ. We're born again and the Holy Spirit comes into our life and takes up residence in our lives. I believe that's the same as being baptized in the Holy Spirit. However, 
I believe also that there is this other phenomenon which is spoken of throughout Scripture, throughout the New Testament, particularly in Acts, and that's why we're talking about this, to get started on Acts, whereby people are filled with the Holy Spirit. And I figure that is an additional experience. Not just me, lots of people agree with this. I'm not making this stuff up. <coughs> One of the guys that I just admire so much and, and go to a lot to make sure that my teaching is orthodox is John Piper. And if you ever are interested in hearing really good sermons, you should go to Desiring God by John Piper. Um, but I, I disagree with John Piper on this. He says this, I think the essence of being baptized with the Holy Spirit is when a person who's already a believer receives extraordinary spiritual power for Christ's exalted <coughs> ministry. He actually separates baptism, being baptized in the Holy Spirit, from that receiving the Holy Spirit at being born again. I think he's got it wrong, but very, very slightly, because he's so amazing. <laughs> I would put it this way. I think he's talking about being filled with the Spirit. So I'll steal his words. I think the essence of being filled with the Holy Spirit is when a person who's already a believer receives extraordinary spiritual power for Christ-exalting ministry. Let me say it again. I think the essence of being filled with the Holy Spirit is when a person who's already a believer, and in my estimation, already baptized in the Holy Spirit, receives extraordinary spiritual power for Christ-exalting ministry. Luke records Christ's words. Here they are again. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. A few days is what we now know as Pentecost. And that's the experience where, which we'll read about, the disciples were in an upper room and the Holy Spirit came on them. <coughs> as if a fire came on them. And they spoke in tongues. So Pentecost, I believe, is when the first members of the church were baptized in the Holy Spirit. <coughs> But also note this, Jesus said, You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I personally believe that the filling of the Holy Spirit has a specific purpose, and it's in addition to being baptized in the Holy Spirit. It is to receive the power to fulfill the church's mission. That's what I think the infilling of the Holy Spirit is. And we'll see it all through the book of Acts. Well, let's just take a look at Acts 2. When the Holy Spirit came. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a cloud like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. 
don't know how many of you had a similar experience when you were born again. I suspect not many of them had that sort of power feeling where the Holy Spirit came on you and you started to speak in tongues when you were born again. But we've seen from Scripture that when you are born again, you receive the Holy Spirit. It's, there's, there's no question about that. And therefore, I believe that this power that was instilled at the same time also happened at Pentecost. And it was the filling of the Holy Spirit. And the filling of the Holy Spirit is all about power. And what's that power for? To go run a marathon? No. That power is to be effective in ministry. That power is to be able to use your gifts to the glory of God so that people will come to know Jesus Christ because you are filled with the Holy Spirit. Let's take a look at what Acts says about this phenomenon of being filled with the Holy Spirit. So just to review, I've said that when you are born again, you receive the Holy Spirit. And it's the Holy Spirit that actually makes you new, gives you new birth. I've said that water baptism is a graphic demonstration of that, where we die and are born again. I've also said that at that time, the Holy Spirit comes into you, and you have the Holy Spirit resident in you. And now I'm saying that there's an additional experience, and that is being filled with the Holy Spirit. And that is all about power. That is all about being filled so that you are empowered to do the ministry that God has given to you. Remember last week? We are all priests. We are all doing ministry. And we need to be empowered by the Spirit. John's got a question. Uh, at what point in the Christian walk do you become the Holy Spirit? Or is that available to everybody? I, I believe being filled with the Holy Spirit is available to anybody who, who, who wants to be filled by the Holy Spirit. And, and, and understand, the Spirit is there. The Holy Spirit is there. But the filling of the Holy Spirit is uh, an additional enabling. In other words, being sort of like fired up, if you will. Exactly. Sort of like a gift, but it's the gift that we all get if we ask for it. All right. And so you can sort of grieve the Holy Spirit and just sort of like keep it stay in your place. Or you can throw gas on the Spirit and sort of say, Holy Spirit, fill me up. I want to do great things for you. And so, that's where we're going. Where we're going right now, though, is we're going to take a look at a few instances 
In Acts, which we're going to get to eventually, we've already started with the first 11 verses, but I want us to just I'll show you that people were filled with the Holy Spirit who had already been baptized in the Holy Spirit and already been water baptized and obviously born again. So this idea, when we're going to read in we're going to read in the book of Acts that there's people that are being are, are filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm just trying to clarify. Well, what is that? Is that being baptized in the Holy Spirit? I'm saying that it's something different. Let me explain. Let's take a look at Acts four. Here's Peter. We know Peter was born again. We know Peter was baptized in the Holy Spirit, right? And we know that he was filled with power on the first day uh, of the church at Pentecost. And guess what happened? Thousands of people came to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior because he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Did you know that Jesus, it says Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. So let me continue. This is a little bit later. Then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people. This is when he's having to talk to the, the leaders in Jerusalem who are getting really upset that he is um, preaching the gospel. Later on in Acts 4, Peter and John, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Does that mean they were baptized in the Holy Spirit twice? No, that, that's occurred. This is being filled with the Holy Spirit. An additional experience where we can be topped up, if you want, with the Holy Spirit. Here's Barnabas in Acts 11. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem. They sent Barnabas, once again, born again, baptized in the Holy Spirit. When he arrived and saw that the grace of God had what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Whenever you see filling full, the fullness of the Holy Spirit, you see results. That's because the filling of the Holy Spirit is about power. It is about empowering us in our ministry. Here's Apostle Paul. Verse Acts 13. But Elimus, the sorcerer, that's what his name means, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Elimus and said, You're a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right. You are all full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? Now the hand of the Lord is against you. You are going to be blind for a time, not even able to see the light of the sun. See, clearly all of these people had been born again, had been baptized in the Holy Spirit, but in addition, they experienced a filling of the Spirit that gave them power for effective ministry. So once again, I would say, I think the essence of being filled with the Holy Spirit is when a person who's already a believer receives extraordinary spiritual power for Christ-exalting work, to steal John Piper's words. All right, I have a picture for you. Two pictures. Nicky Gumbel, for those of us who do Alpha, we know Nicky. 
He's the founder of Alpha and uh, does a lot of the talks and involves, is involved in uh, teaching the curriculum of Alpha. He explains the filling of the Holy Spirit in this way. It's easier to teach this lesson in Ontario where we all have natural gas. <laughs> but for those, those who have propane, I guess, I don't know how this works, on the island. But if you have a stove that has a pilot light, right? That is symbolic, or that is a great picture of what every believer is. And that pilot light is the Holy Spirit. It's there. It's on all the time. Right? It's only when we turn the knob that just the whole element just goes poof. That, Nikki says, is representative of the filling of the Holy Spirit. Right? And it's not the baptism of the Holy Spirit because the baptism of the Holy Spirit is, is a starting point when we receive the Holy Spirit. It is a filling. And so the whole element is burning. You get that? So the Holy Spirit is a pilot light. Some of us have had pilot lights burning endlessly for years and years and years. And we haven't asked God or the Holy Spirit to turn it up or to turn on the Holy Spirit, to infill us with the Holy Spirit. And we probably have not asked because the purpose of that infilling, once again, is power for ministry. And if we're not doing ministry, we may as well just leave the pilot light lit. Do you get it? So, implications. We've considered the idea that because of Christ, each of us is a priest. Each of us is to be doing ministry. Some of us have been willing to go down that path. But maybe not all of us have been filled with the Holy Spirit. In other words, we haven't just simply asked the Holy Spirit to enable us in our ministry. Last week we did the gifts of the Holy Spirit. How'd you do by the way? I know people were thinking about it because I had a couple of conversations. People asking, well, what do you think, Tim? And that was a good experience for me. But each one of us has a gift for the common good. What we're talking about today is the power that we have been given by God where we can be filled with the Holy Spirit. And we can use that gift according to God's will. I think that we as a church want to be a church of not just born-again people who have the Holy Spirit but as a church that is a spirit-filled church, a church in which the Holy Spirit is powerful amongst us. 
that the Holy Spirit is doing amazing things, profound and unavoidable kind of things that you can't deny amongst us. And I think that that will come as we surrender our lives and increasingly simply ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now some of you will say, well, does that mean I'm going to speak in tongues? <laughs> I don't, maybe. <laughs> I don't think so, but maybe. I mean, I don't, you know, it's not about that. Speaking in tongues is one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Um, so is helps. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is about being empowered. <laughs> so there's that. So if you're uncomfortable with the power of God and experiencing the power of God in your life, you don't want to go there. But if you want to experience God in new ways, and you want to be used of God in new ways, and you want to be a powerful force for God, I think what we learn in Acts 1, 1 to 11, is that we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Not just baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's why we started off, and I will, it was our call to worship, and now it's our benediction. With these words. Did you mean it when you said it? Or are we just doing what Colleen told you to do? Do I know about that? <laughs> Here's the benediction then. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for. To be overcome by your presence, Lord. Amen. May God bless you. <laughs>